episode 28 of the Glass of Joe podcast here as we are in December, December 10th recording this. Joe Malfa alongside PJ Glasser. PJ, happy Hanukkah to you. I know that starts today. We get into the holiday season now. Does, yeah, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Uh, eight days, but as my parents told me, you know, you're getting older, so no more presents every eight <laughs> days. I'm like, I can understand that. <laughs> no um, more Adam Sandler's... Uh, uh one, one day eight, eight crazy nights <laughs> exactly you get gifts on eight days no no more of that you're too old for that now yeah too old for that great <laughs> uh great song my buddy uh texted me this morning wishing me a happy hanukkah and i was like is that today i, I honestly <laughs> i mean with, with covid going on you lose track but uh but yeah absolutely it is indeed hanukkah all right well um, there's no real easy segue here from Hanukkah talk to NBA talk, but I, I guess, I guess Hanukkah is, inter, is, is coinciding with the start of the NBA preseason. I guess that's our segue, but the NBA preseason starts tomorrow and, uh, we'll get into more of our season outlook, which is crazy to say like season outlook for the NBA. I feel like we just did that in July with the bubble outlook when that was going to start, but, um, we got our season outlook for the NBA next week, but today we just wanted to kind of hit on the big story, which is James Harden out partying everywhere in the country where he shouldn't be right now, finally gets to Houston, has to pass a week straight of negative COVID tests before he could join the team, uh, pretty much demonstrating he doesn't want to be there. And Shams came out today and said his list is four teams for possible trade destinations, the Bucks, the Heat, the Sixers, and the Nets, and P.J., which of those four let's assume he's going to get traded i think where there's smoke there's fire he doesn't want to be there yeah. period yeah um which of those four do you think is the most likely which of those four do you most want to see him in because those could be two different answers yeah i mean look all of those teams in their own right are interesting the bucks i mean him and Giannis would be That'd be something. That kind of pick and roll between the two of those. He does guys have some beef too. with Giannis. The, the two of them have been going at it for a couple of years. I don't know if there are two better guys who can get into the paint other than LeBron. I mean, they, they can get in there whenever they want. That would They'd be, be deadly. They'd be deadly because because when Harden's got the ball, you got to guard against a drive, but he could also just pull up from thirty five feet. And with Giannis. He doesn't really have that jumper yet, but you just can't stop him. But if you go, if you send Giannis into the paint and collapse three defenders on him, and he's kicking it out to James Harden instead of Chris Middleton, that's a big difference. That's a that is, game changer for the Bucks. Philly, obviously, Daryl Morey's there now, so that's interesting. Um, but him and Ben Simmons, like, how will that work? Because Simmons is such a playmaker, like Harden is, but obviously Simmons can't shoot a perimeter shot. Um, so do you let Simmons work off the ball and put Harden and Embiid in the pick and roll? Do you let Ben create and set up James and Harden becomes more of a spot-up shooter? I just don't see how he fits in Philly with Simmons. Um, Miami, honestly, if I'm Miami, I wouldn't touch it. You have such a good thing going on. Agreed. Jimmy 100%. Butler coming there. I mean, they're one of the most selfless teams in the NBA. They have. They don't have a superstar. Superstar. I mean, Jimmy Butler is a really good player. But He's right for the team. Exactly. Jimmy Butler is the right superstar for that team. So if I was Miami, I wouldn't touch it. And then the Nets. I mean, yeah, you can have Durant, Kyrie, and Harden. But again, there's one basketball, yeah. and those three guys. I just, you know, Russ Harden and KD made it work, but they were all so young, and they that only worked back then because Harden was. The- kid and a sixth man when Har- Harden being hardened i don't know if that would have worked back then in okc yeah. so I, to answer your question this I, think Harden, the Bucks, I think the Bucks i think the best I, I think the most likely destination is the sixers because so as we're saying about simmons i think the trade would just be simmons for harden because on houston's side you get a young guy who can be one of the faces of the league in ben simmons then for the Sixers side, you're plugging him in, playing with Embiid, and Maury's there. It's a great fit. So I think just a straight-up Simmons and Harden, figure out the pieces around it. I think that's the most likely. I would most want to see him, as you were saying, though, with the Bucks. I agree 100%. Don't want to see him in Miami. I think he would ruin what they've got there. And the Nets, it'd be interesting. It'd be really, really interesting. But yeah. I think as far as title contention and – best fits uh definitely with the bucks just because again the achilles heel of the bucks has been just when you key in on Giannis, the rest of the team can't beat you 
Right. Now the team could beat you with Harden being the guy that Giannis is kicking it out to if they collapse to him on the drive. And because of the specter of Harden out there, they can't really collapse to him as much because they know they're kicking it out to Harden. So that's going to free things up for Giannis. And they would be, I mean, they would basically be, take the Simmons-Embiid combo and put that on steroids. That's what that would be. And, you know, if he goes to the Nets, the irony in it all would be that Steve Nash is the head coach who's one of the most selfless players in the NBA, and he'd be coaching three of the most ball-dominant offensive players who are all some of the greatest offensive players. But, uh, man, it would, it would be something to watch. Yeah, they – I don't know. It, we will, it's crazy. It's so condensed. We've got one day until the preseason starts. We've got 12 days until the regular season starts. And we don't know where James Harden's playing. One of the teams not even mentioned here, but that has kind of been thrown out every now and then is the Warriors, too. That's a whole other can of worms. If you throw him there, sure, they're missing Clay this year. But what's that going to look like next year when Clay gets back? Um, there's a lot of intrigue around it. I can't wait to see it. Now, we got to also start talking a little bit more about college basketball. We kind of punted on it last week because it was too early. We didn't get what we wanted to see, which was the uh, Baylor and Gonzaga game. Unfortunately, they both had COVID issues. It wasn't just one of them. They both had it in their team before the day before the game. Um, but we're starting to kind of see now, week into it, who is legit, who is not. I think we know that Duke is not legit this year. And Dan Dockich said it kind of jokingly. Uh, you almost get the sense that Coach, Coach K is going to have some back issues or something cramping up soon because he yeah. doesn't want to hurt his coaching record because they look like they're going to be in for a long year, Duke. Uh, Illinois looked very impressive beating them. Michigan State looked pretty impressive beating them but the Michigan State got tested very very tough challenge against Detroit which that came out of nowhere so um, all of the teams near the top some of them have had issues again we haven't seen Baylor or Gonzaga be tested Iowa blew the doors off of UNC Iowa looks really legit with Louise Camp and Garza um, it's it's the year people are starting to say it a lot more I, I saw Jay Billis say it I saw Rothstein say it this is going to be the year of the outlier. You're not going to get a blue blood winning it this year unless something crazy happens. UNC has their issues. They're too young. Kentucky hasn't figured it out yet. Cal usually figures it out as the season goes on, though. Coach K doesn't seem to have the repertoire that he needs this year. Villanova's solid, and I think Villanova, we could officially say, is a blue blood the way they've been winning. Um, and then Kansas, again, they have more of those senior pieces, so that kind of covers the blue bloods. But this really, more so than any other year, could be that year where an outlier creeps in and wins the whole thing, if there's a tournament, obviously. When Definitely. Happens. Yeah, if you're a team that's like a Kentucky or a Duke, that your star pieces are freshmen, just because of COVID and the year it's been, I mean, they don't have anywhere near the advantages that these teams that Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Villanova, Gonzaga, Baylor have, who've been playing together two, three years. And you're seeing that in the first couple games. And again, Gonzaga now is on a two-week hiatus, um, so we're going to have to wait and see them play probably next week or the week after that. But yeah, Iowa looks good. Uh, the Big Ten, the big three that we thought to start the year, Michigan State as well, maybe making that big four to go along with Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. They are uh, they're living up to the hype so far. Baylor, we talked about them last week in their defense, how good they are. They first forced 35 turnovers yesterday against Stephen F. Austin. Um, but again, Gonzaga, I know we only got to see him for those couple games. Um, but Suggs seems like, Jalen Suggs seems like finally the missing piece for Mark Few. He's had some great players, Adam Morrison, Rui Hachimura. I mean, he's had some. Adam teams. Morrison. <laughs> but, right. But, I mean, Morrison, you saw what he did in the NBA. Like, Suggs, you can tell if he stays healthy, will be a star in the Absolutely. NBA. I mean, so he's finally got an NBA guy to go along with all his great players that he always develops down there at Gonzaga. So to me, they're going to be the tough the team to beat. Roy Williams, the other day after they played Iowa, though, he said that Luke Garza is the real deal. Said he's the closest thing he's seen to Tyler Hansborough. So wow. when Roy says that, then I listen. When you have a piece like that in the middle to go along with the shooting that Iowa does, um, again, it's Fran McCaffrey, though, and he's maybe the seventh or eighth best coach in the Big Ten, and we know when it comes to March how much coaching matters. So 
I mean, he could really be the detriment to that team, but they're they're so skilled. Illinois for me though, Joe. I mean, DeSoto and uh, and Coffee Coburn are, are great, and they got some good pieces to go along with. Yeah, but again, we saw them go up against Baylor and just get manhandled in the second half. So that just shows really. And this is what I this goes to what I said last week. Yes, it could be that year of the outlier and non blue blood, and who knows what happens when we get to March. I mean, that was the one thing we missed last year was that random. Uh, Ivy League team pulls off the upset against this blue, you know, whatever the case may be. And Middle Tennessee State beating Michigan State that year, which screwed my bracket because I had Michigan State winning it all. Um, we missed that. But this year, in that year of the outlier, I don't even think there's a, a, a real threat when you get down to it to Gonzaga or Baylor. For, again, what we've seen so far, kind of projecting it out over the course of the year. Again, want to reiterate, come March, anybody can lose to anybody. Yeah. But Gonzaga and Baylor consistently are going to be flip-flopping one and two all year. Iowa can touch them. I think we won't really get to see maybe ever. We don't know if they'll ever match up. But um, we saw Illinois go up against Baylor and just get completely dominated in the second half. I think that shows just how big the gap is between Gonzaga, Baylor, and then the rest of the top five. Those two teams, if you haven't seen them, you should. They are absolutely stellar. I hope that game gets rescheduled between the two of them at some point this year. Um, just a quick note before you go any further. You probably saw it in the header of the episode. We don't have a guest this week. Uh, a lot of things came together. We just pushed a guest to next week. It's going to be Rob Carlin, our dear friend, formerly of NBC Sports Washington. So we'll have a plenty more college basketball talk uh, and, and some hockey talk with him next week yep. when we're on. So we'll continue to get into that. Uh, we could talk about the Terps who looked like the Terps yesterday with uh, <laughs> it was only a matter of time. They're going all going on the road against, so well. I saw the line for that game. I saw the line for that game at one and a half for Clemson. I was all over that. I hate doing that to my team, but uh, I mean, Clemson at home, great defense, first true road test for a young and experienced Mark Turgeon coach team that wasn't going to go well and it didn't go well at halftime it looked like it was Clemson football versus Maryland football the score was like 38 13 or 38 15 or something like that it was a football great analogy it was was a football score and it was it was bad all around but uh, plenty more college hoops talk then uh then then next week but hey I mean we're we're, before you know it we're gonna be in conference play because I know the Big Ten has the Christmas Day slate which I'm very excited for um, but again, le- legit contenders, I think it's really right now, barring injury, a handful of teams, even in this year of the outlier. And who knows when it comes to March, but you're going to get Gonzaga, you're going to get Baylor, you're going to get Iowa. Don't know who else cracks that category. Maybe Kansas as the year goes on, maybe Villanova as they kind of get into a rhythm, but uh, that's, that's really it. And now in college football, the top six remain unchanged still, but Things are getting interesting behind that top six, PJ. I mean, that BYU Coastal game was fantastic football. Uh, BYU stopped at the one-yard line to end the game. Coastal wins it. Iowa, last week I was talking about Iowa State still having that slim prayer for the Big 12. They got moved up to seven just ahead of Cincinnati. So a lot to digest after the top six. But the top six, like we said last week, remain unchanged. Coastal Carolina, I still think, is too low. I mean, they beat Louisiana, who is Iowa State, one of their two losses, at Iowa State. And Coastal beat Louisiana at Louisiana. They obviously have the BYU win, too. I just I feel like they should be higher. Um, but, yeah, the Big 12, all of a sudden, I mean, it, it becomes interesting because if Bama beats Florida, then Florida's out. Texas A&M, obviously, they play Tennessee next week, um, but then they won't be in the SEC title game. And then if Clemson loses to Notre Dame, that'll open up a spot. Joe, to me, the real big question will be if Florida beats Bama and Clemson beats Notre Dame, are are they the four teams? And then if Bama beats Florida and Notre Dame beats Clemson, who is the fourth team along with Ohio State? Is it AM? Is it Cincinnati? Or is it the Big 12 winner? I'm personally rooting for the chaos scenario of Bama beating Florida, eliminate Florida. Notre Dame beat Clemson, eliminate Clemson. Northwestern beat Ohio State. 
that's where things get interesting. Yes, if Northwestern beats Ohio State, that would. That's where things get interesting because now Northwestern somewhat enters a conversation because they're a one-loss Big Ten champ. Texas A&M is there with one loss. They're Florida's in. gone. They're Florida's in. gone. They got two losses in this scenario. Yeah. So you're just going down the line, right? If Ohio State loses, one loss, non-conference champ, not much of a schedule, they're gone. Right. A&M, a Clemson two-loss non-conference champ, they should be gone. I could see the committee pulling something and trying to put Trevor Lawrence in. They're, they they're out. Gone. I would they hope they're out. I would hope they're gone. So three's gone. Four's gone. Five is Texas A&M. They're slotting up to three. Florida's gone. They lost to Bama. That brings you to seven, where Iowa State would be a two-loss Big 12 champ. Or it brings you to eight, where Cincinnati is an undefeated champ of their conference, group five team. Who gets in with those two? Don't know. Georgia still don't know how they're at nine. Um, but then you've got this little lull here where it's like, all right, I'm not putting Miami in there. I'm not putting Oklahoma in there unless they also maybe win the Big 12 championship. You got Iowa State probably so, against Oklahoma. So real quick, so that scenario, you said Iowa State would be in if Ohio State loses and all that. If Oklahoma wins, is Cincinnati in? Do they jump Cincinnati, Oklahoma? I, th- I think Cincinnati's in in that situation just because – Unless I'm misremembering, it's been a long couple months. Iowa State beat Oklahoma. They did. So okay, so Oklahoma would avenge one of their losses. Yeah. But for me, you got both of those teams. Then I I go with the undefeated Cincinnati. I think there's a there's a method to the committee's madness when it comes to the like they don't just randomly decide to put Iowa State at seven and Oklahoma at eleven with Cincinnati. Like there's a reason. They're telling you that if Iowa State runs a table and if Cincinnati runs a table, nothing's changing from what they have. Iowa State's ahead of Cincy, period. If they both run the table, that's, that's what the thing that I try to tell people all the time with the college football playoff rankings. In your mind, you got to think of it like this. If every team runs a table, the rankings should not change unless one team obliterates another and one team scrapes by. So if Iowa State runs the table and since he runs the table, since he's not jumping Iowa State, yeah. if Oklahoma runs the table and since he runs the table, Oklahoma's not jumping since he, I think it's just as simple as that. So in that scenario, like you said, if Iowa State wins, Iowa State's in over since he, with obviously all those teams before them losing. And if Oklahoma wins, I think since he's in. Now, I, re- I 100% agree with you. There's no way Coastal should be 13th. I mean, come on. So, They're uh, ten- what, do you, what does a group of five team have to do? They're 10-0. They beat BYU. They like beat the 18th beat, and 19th team in the committee's rankings. They beat 18, they beat 19, and that number 19 that they beat, beat Iowa State, like you just said. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and it's part of the reason why I want an expansion to eight. Yeah. It, it, there's no reason not to do it. I Absolutely agree. not. It's so simple. We have this conversation every year. You take the five Power Five conference winners as long as they have um, one loss or undefeated. If they have two losses, then you have to survey it, and it's not just an automatic bid. Then after that, you then just pick the next four best. So as it stands right now, for example, um, Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, actually – in a given year, a normal given year where Notre Dame's not in the ACC, obviously. Um, Iowa State, two losses. You'd have to think about putting them in. Clemson, ACC champ with one loss, they're in. Bama, undefeated conference champ, they're in. Um, Florida and A&M, they'd be in the mix for the at-large five through eight, but they wouldn't get one of those top four because they're not a conference champ. You know, there's so many things you can do here with expanding it to eight and giving the group of five a spot in it. Like it, it's so easy. I don't know why they don't do it. If, it's if, such a simple thing to do. So if Florida beats Bama and Clemson beats Notre Dame, do you think those will be the four teams in Ohio that's State it. left out? You get two SEC, two ACC. I don't think people will like it, but I think that's what you'll get. See, I agree with you, but then comes into the discussion, how do you rank the teams? Because if Florida beats Bama and Clemson beats Notre Dame, I think Clemson would be one. Clemson would be one. I Do think, you drop Alabama to two then? Or I think I think in that scenario, I think Clemson's one. And here's here's my thing. I I do still have a bit of a cynicism about the committee. I think in that scenario, the committee would make sure 
that it's, it's SEC, not a rematch. It's SEC versus ACC that's, that's, and SEC versus ACC. Right, right. Clemson would be one, and then they would go based on that. So then two and three, in whichever order you decide, would be Notre Dame and Bama, and four would be Florida. Because they'd want – I think they'd – see, but the, the problem – actually, I take that back. Because if you've got a if you've got a one loss Florida as a conference champ and Bama with one loss and Bama's one loss with Florida, you probably got to have Florida over Bama. So right. I think what you I think what you do is it would be Clemson and Alabama in the semifinal and Notre Dame Florida because I I really genuinely think as much as they'd like to save Bama Clemson for the title game, I think they'd rather have ACC SEC in both semifinals and then an eight. And then whatever, come, come what may in the final, whether it's ACC versus ACC or another SEC, right. ACC class, whatever it is, it is. But in the semis, I, th- I don't think they want to have rematches of the previous week because that's what it would be. And, and their cop-out can be that Florida beat Bama and Notre Dame and Clemson have split. Exactly. So I was just going to say that. Exactly. You can put Clemson at one, Florida at two, Notre Dame at three, and Bama at four. Absolutely. That would be their way of – kind of navigating it when the committee head comes on TV and explains their rationale. It's exactly what he'll say. And we will all know deep down the real reason was to just not have rematches of the previous week. That's, that's the real reason of it when it comes down to it. So the big, the big discussion in Tuscaloosa amongst like beat reporters and everybody was, does Bama lose on purpose to keep Ohio State out? (laughs) Are they that Never. (laughs) (laughs) Never. I don't think they will either. It's funny. If they would to knock them out. But yeah, I mean, all the scenarios we've broke down, that's that's kind of the way I see it. For there to be total chaos, Northwestern has to beat Ohio State. Yes. And then things get interesting. Yes, but even if not, like we just said, in the scenario we just laid out with uh, Clemson and Florida winning their respective title games, even so, Ohio State might get left out because yes. they don't really have an impressive resume. And yes, they'd be undefeated, but they don't have an impressive resume. Um, as of today, you think Alabama beats Florida and Clemson beats Notre Dame, I assume? As of now, I think it's that simple, yeah. Okay. Alabama beats Florida by two touchdowns. Clemson probably beats Notre Dame by two touchdowns. And all of these conversations are completely useless. And it's going to be <laughs> as it going to be Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Ohio State 3, Notre Dame 4. And Bama's going to wax Notre Dame like they have in the past. Clemson and Ohio State's going to be a great game like it was last year, but Clemson's better, and then we're going to get Bama-Clemson for the 17th time in the last six years. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I, look, I'm, exci- I'm excited for championship week for the first, because outside of the SEC championship game the past couple of years, it's been like, you know, Ohio State's going to yeah. win. You know Oklahoma's going to win. You know Clemson's going to win. But I thought last year there was a chance Wisconsin did it against Ohio State. There was, and they were leading they were the first up. half. They had a yeah. great game plan, but you just knew Ohio State was too talented. Of course. But this year, I mean, Notre Dame, I just – everybody's going to pick Clemson. Everybody's going to think they're going to beat them. So because of that, I think Notre Dame can keep it close. Iowa State-Oklahoma I think is going to be a real good game. Iowa great State's the first time legit. they played. I mean, they know they can beat them, um, so that'll be good. We get Coastal and uh, Louisiana Lafayette again on that day. Uh, yeah. That'll be a great game. Uh, and then Northwestern. Look, Northwestern's defense is fantastic. And Ohio State's defense has some issues. So they can possess the ball. They can keep it close. So I think, you know, championship Saturday could be, could be real good. I was really hoping this week. We knew it was a long shot. But as soon as Ohio State's game against Michigan was officially canceled, the whole tremors started for calling for Ohio State and Texas A&M yeah. to play this week because they both had a, an off week because their opponents got COVID, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. incredible. That would, it would have been a playing game. Playing game. And I, t- I tweeted out, too, if that would have happened, we would have had all six teams play each other over yeah. these next two weeks. And that, I mean, that's... What better way to decide it all than that? I mean, you would have had... You know, it. in a year like this, especially, like, let them decide it on the field. I mean, come on. Coastal and BYU agreed on Wednesday to play on Saturday. You mean to tell me that, like, they couldn't figure something out with Ohio State and a and I mean, clearly the rules that they made at the beginning of the year don't mean anything because right. they already changed them for Ohio State. They couldn't have changed the uh, the rule for the Big Ten that there's no non-conference games. Like, you just you just rewrote the rules anyway. Just rewrite them so that they could have played Texas A&M. I, 
didn't make any sense to me, but um, Joe NFL, we have one of the rare weeks in the NFL where all three primetime games are the games of the week. I mean, incredible. They're, they're really I, I love to see that. We get the Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago, Pats Rams tonight. We get Steelers Bills Sunday night, and then we get Ravens Browns on Monday night. I'm a cry from a few weeks ago when it was Jets Patriots on Monday night, and I think it was like, if I if I remember correctly, that week was also a pretty crappy Thursday night game. It was like, um, uh, uh, what was the week? Patriots. Continue with your thought. I'm gonna go look at the schedule for that. Okay. I'm gonna pull it up. Um, Yeah, I mean the only other really good game that week is uh, uh, this week is Chiefs Dolphins could be could be a good game, but um, yeah, I I mean look, the best games are in prime time for sure. Best games are in prime time. Um, The Steelers, I think, are are the biggest question this week. We talked about it last week. Just what a bad spot that was against Washington. That line closed at five and a half. You had a four and seven football team on the road in an eleven and O team, and the eleven and O team was favored by and, five. And, and the thing too, it, it's it's the spot. Before I continue with that, I pulled it up. It was week nine. It was the Packers against the San Francisco 39ers. That right, was the right. week where they had nobody. And then it was the Jets Patriots on Monday night. Like that was just a brutal week. So it's a far cry from week nine. Right. Awful. Um, on so, that on that note, as far as back to what I was saying about Washington. It didn't surprise me. I picked Washington outright. Like, I don't think it's really an indictment on the Steelers not being as good as their record is because I think they are as good as their record is. It's, it's, it was just more of the spot. Like, they, they played a random Wednesday afternoon game against the Ravens. They have Sunday night against the Bills coming up. Yeah. And then sandwiched in there is a Monday mid-evening game against Washington. Sure. It, it, was, it was more of the spot than anything else. Um, look – you play who is in front of you and they've handled everybody that's in front of them until Washington and people have tried to poke holes in the Steelers all year. Um, they beat the Ravens the first time around in a great game. They blew the doors off the Browns. And when that game happened, people were like, Oh, the Browns are overrated. Tell me the Browns are overrated now. Okay. Then they beat the Titans in a really good close game. Like they have really good wins on their schedule too. Sure. They've had a pretty easy schedule, but their big games against the other big contenders they've had to face, they've won. They've won all. So right. I don't think you can – are they the – the whole thing this week was, are they the worst 11-0 and team you've ever seen? Probably. I mean, off the top of my head, the, the most recent undefeated teams were truly dominant. Yeah. And they're not truly dominant, but their defense is first. Their offense is up there. They've got a great offensive line. They've got a great defensive line. They got a veteran Super Bowl winning quarterback. They have probably the best stable of receivers that all have good heads on their shoulders in the NFL. The Bucks do too, but Antonio Brown's not all there. So you don't know what you're going to get from them in a given week. Um, so they don't have many. The, the running game is maybe their hole. Um, but even so, James, you could do worse than James Conner when he comes back from the COVID list this week. So I don't think it was really an indictment on them. I think it was just more of the situation. And this week, we get another true test for them. Like I've said, anytime this season on the schedule they've had a legit team on it, they've beaten them, and they've looked good doing it. So I, I think this is a huge, huge eye test game and perception game as far as what we think of them down the stretch. Um, I think the Bills win, but again, that's not necessarily an indictment on the Steelers. It's just I think it's a really good spot for the Bills at home off a big win, um, and you know you don't know what the conditions are going to be. Not that the Steelers are averse to those conditions. They're also a bad weather football team come yep. December. But I just think the Bills are in a good spot here, riding that momentum. And I think they have what it takes to beat the Steelers because I think, I mean, I've all year kind of been low on the Bills, but I've been proven wrong time and again. So I think this is kind of the Bills coming out party on national TV Sunday night. I agree with everything you said about the Steelers. As you'll see in best bets in a moment, I make a play on this game. The other thing I'll add too is that when you look at Buffalo's losses this season, they're nine and three. They should be ten and two. Arizona obviously got lucky with the Hail Mary. Their two losses, Tennessee and Kansas City. Yeah. Can't beat the top teams in the AFC. So they have a top team in the AFC coming in this week. I just like you said, everybody's gonna be talking about this week how fraud the Steelers are. They've been kind of waiting for them to lose a game because they have not passed the eye test the past couple weeks. Now that they have, people are like See, I told you they weren't yeah. that good. And Buffalo's just rolling right now. I mean, 
it all started kind of with that win over Seattle. And ever since they've been cruising, San Francisco closes the favorite last week and they blew them out. So Buffalo is rolling right now. Um, but again, do you just, do you trust the bills in the spot? They That's have the not been in a spot like this. Here's the thing. Years. I don't trust them in it. I don't trust them in it, but how do you build trust in a situation like this? Starts with one win. And I think this is the first time they take that step in the right direction. That's just a hunch I have. Again, there's no basis of it. There's no reason to believe the Bills. And Josh Allen hasn't had a win of this caliber yet. The Bills haven't had a win of this caliber in 20 years. But it starts somewhere. Like we were talking about um, last week with Washington. It starts somewhere. And it started for them this past week in their first win. I didn't. It was such a crazy stat. That was the first time Washington had a win against a double-digit win team since, like, 07, which is just mind-blowing. <laughs> um, but I think this is the first time they take that step in the right direction, the Bills. But, again, we'll get to that more for best bets as far as what you're saying that with all the primetime games. Um, tonight's game, Super Bowl rematch, I think personally, and, and I'll have this in my best bets too, I think it's a great matchup for the Rams. Um, Patriots had to stay out West away from home the whole week. Sean McVay. I mean, you've seen the videos. The guy has a photographic memory of every play that he's ever called in any game that he's ever coached in. Do you not get the sense that that Super Bowl has probably replayed over and over and over in his mind daily since it happened? I do, (laughs) but I think it's actually going to hurt him. I think the reason he struggles against Shanahan so much is because he looks at Shanahan. He's like, I see so much of that guy in me. We're young. Yes, we're but I think it's different with dudes. I think there's, I think there's a revenge aspect of this. And what have we said all year about the Patriots? They're not the best team, but they figure it out. But look at their schedule and look at their wins and the teams they're figuring it out against aren't necessarily the strongest teams. You can make the case that the Rams are outside of the saints the most complete team in the NFC. They're not, maybe not necessarily the best. They don't do some, they don't, they're not elite in some categories offensively like the Packers are or like the Seahawks are in some aspects, but they're the most complete team. They got a top defense. They, they got, they got a great secondary. They got a great D line offensively. They can run the ball with their stable of guys with acres, Henderson Brown. They got a great set of receivers as well. Golf is golf is looking more like, what I think he actually will be for his career. I think the Super Bowl year was an aberration on the good end. I think last year was an aberration on the bad end. I think he settles somewhere in the middle in that kind of range of like a Philip Rivers, Alex Smith type guy. Like it, it, where he's not elite. He's not bad. You could win with him and you probably will win with him at some point. I think that's where he is. And I think that's what they need. Um, and, and again, just where they are as the complete team versus the Patriots, I think this is one of those games where everything kind of comes together in prime time for the Rams. And um, we'll see and again more on it in best bets. And then the last prime time game of the week, Monday night, I'll let you run with this one. Cause this is your, this is up. Joe, your look, <laughs> we, we've been talking about the Ravens final stretch of the season and they got Jacksonville coming up. They got the giants coming up. They got the Bengals coming up. I told you I was almost more worried about Dallas last week than the Browns game this week, because Dallas, which I thought was insane. That well, Dallas had all that (laughs) rest. They had all that rest coming up, and Andy Dalton's history against Baltimore, and just with the COVID guys, you just didn't know who would be available and if they were, how they would play. But uh, Dallas's run defense is as bad as advertised. And the thing is, when you have a bad run defense and you haven't seen Lamar before, that's just it's not a good combo. So the, you combine that, and then, you know, they obviously couldn't score touchdowns. They had to settle for field goals. The wind was crazy. Zerline was snap-hooking everything, and they ended up getting blown out. I do love the Ravens, though, this week against Cleveland. Again, because the Browns are just they're coming off a huge win against Tennessee. I told you they would beat the Titans last week, and the perception around the Browns would be, this might be the best team in the AFC North. This could be a team that might challenge for the Super Bowl, and that's exactly what's going on. And the way they're built, it makes a lot of sense. They run the ball as well as anybody does. They have a great O-line. The defense is getting better. I see that's but- the problem why I don't think you should be so confident about the Ravens because the one thing the Ravens can't do, which we've seen, is stop the run. 
So it's going to well, be interesting. Well, they, they have Campbell and Williams back. I mean, those games where, where they couldn't stop New England and Tennessee, those guys were out. Yeah. Now they have them back, and it obviously has changed things a lot. But, again, the Browns, what it all comes down to with them is what kind of Baker Mayfield will you get and how comfortable will he be? Tennessee was such a great matchup for Cleveland because they don't get any pressure on the quarterback and they don't have a good secondary. And Baker was carving them apart. Baltimore blitzes as much as anybody does. They're obviously familiar with Baker. They got a good secondary. And I I just, again, much like the Bills, when have the Browns played a game of this magnitude? The whole world will be watching them. They're having their first winning season since 07. Everybody's talking about how good they are. I mean, the Ravens have been there before. They're playing for their season. People are saying if they don't win this game, they might miss out on the playoffs. It's true. It's so true. they're understanding. It's true. They, they, it, it absolutely is true. So I, I mean, the Ravens are going to be so desperate. Look, the Browns are absolutely going to play hard because they're getting a national television game. They just flexed their game next week against the Giants to Sunday night. So the Browns are getting a lot of love from the national media, as they should. They're playing well, but I just. Do you trust the Browns in this situation? Baker Mayfield against this Ravens team, December in Cleveland. It's not going to be pretty weather. Both teams have a great run game, but Baltimore's is obviously a little more uh, sophisticated. I will say this, though. You know, Lamar this year around, teams that are starting to face him more and more, he's obviously struggled against more and more. Um but I just I think that now they're getting guys back. Andrews is back this week. Judon's back this week. Willie Sneed's back this week. I, I just I, I like the Ravens this week. I, I think they win. I can see why somebody would like Cleveland, but uh, it's a combination of I just don't trust the Browns because coming off that big win, they've really never been in a spot like this, and I think it's a bad matchup for Baker. Well, like we said, we've got plenty of enjoyment to derive from the primetime games this week. Um, I don't think we've had a week like this this season. Last year, even I feel like last year every game was a laughing stock on Monday nights for the most part. So I'm going to sit back and enjoy it for sure. It's prime time. That. They'll be excellent. Yep. <laughs> uh, and do you see a surprise this week on the schedule, like last week with the Giants on the road, backup quarterback against the Seahawks? It's a good question. Let me tell you, I told you this last week. I know you're taking the Seahawks in Survivor Pool. Joe, if Seattle's off your board like it is for me, it is slim pickings this week. I, I feel like, you know, a couple people will take Dallas at Cincinnati, but do you really trust Dallas? I feel like some people will take Carolina at home against Denver. They might take San Francisco. Tennessee, Jacksonville, but a, Tennessee's another team that's maybe not on some people's boards. And do you really want to pick the road team in a divisional matchup the way Jacksonville has played the last two weeks? They lost – by a two-point conversion miss to the Browns. And then this week they made that two-point conversion to send the Vikings to overtime. So I'm not touching that game. And they played the Packers really close too. So they've been playing better. People have used the Saints already. People have used the Packers. So those are gone. You know, I mean, Atlanta against the Chargers might be a good bet, but I don't know. The Chargers, they're a funny team. And getting blown out last week, you just don't know. So it's tough. I will say right now, looking at spreads, the underdog I love to win most on the uh, money line that we haven't talked about would probably be Vegas against the uh, the Colts. I think after that Jets uh, game, people are definitely viewing Vegas a lot differently. They're like, oh, Vegas, they get blown out by Atlanta. They should have lost to the Two Jets. Two opposite ends they're of not the spectrum. Good, but they're, Back they're, to, they're a good home team. It's such a oh, weird three weeks for them. They almost beat the Chiefs for the second time this season. Yeah. They got the doors blown off by the Falcons, and then they just barely beat the Jets. So I, I don't know the answer to the question of what Vegas is. I, I, I don't either. And again, the Colts, they got blown out by Tennessee. They are, a, you know, Houston fumbled at the two-yard line when they were going ready to win that game. So at this perception of Indy that they're a – Good, solid team. I mean, they're a good team, but I just think the Raiders at home, I I like them uh, in that upset. So if you're looking for an underdog on the money line, um, along from Pittsburgh, for me, it would probably be the Raiders. All right. Well, let's get into it. Best bets. DJ, we both have four in one weeks. We're still both tied at 33 and 34. We are. 
Uh, man, I had a freaking phenomenal week in the NFL last week. I don't love the board as much this week. Um, we both don't have any college games this week. Joe, first time I think it maybe None. forever. All five NFL. First time I think of forever, I looked at a college slate and I'm like, I don't like anything. Like I just, nothing is standing out. So my number five game, I like Arizona minus two against the Giants. New York, they won four in a row. They had that great win on the road in Seattle. And now everybody's talking about how great they are. Joe Judge, coach of the year, this and that. And Arizona's struggling. They're fading. People thought highly of this team. They've had a tough schedule. They had to play the Rams. They had to play the Bills. They had to play the Patriots. This is a must win for Arizona. They get Larry Fitzgerald back this week. Um, I, you know, I, I worry about taking dome teams outside in the month of December, especially a team like Arizona that is spread you out, up-tempo, air raid, um, and how good the Giants' defense has been playing. But Arizona's been running the ball. I mean, Kendrick Drake, Ken, Kenyon Drake is fourth in the NFL in rushing yards. The key will be how healthy is Kyler Murray. If he's running the ball – and the Giants defense has to pick him as a runner. That'll be huge. Um, but I like Arizona in the bounce back. Coming off a home loss, combine that with Giants riding high off that big win, I think they take a step back, and I like the Cardinals on the road. I do think the Giants actually win that game. I think it's just two teams in opposite directions, and for the reasons you said, outside December, I actually do like the Giants in that game, and I've got a lot of Giants fan friends, and um, I don't like that they're making this run in the playoffs, but they are, and, and I actually do – like the Giants this week, um, not in one of my best bets. My number five pick this week, um, I didn't love picking a game of this magnitude last week when it was the Bears and the Lions. Now, as far as the records, it's a similar game this week, but it's just a totally different perception around the game. Um, same spread, too. Niners home two and a half against the Washington football team. So, again, like I said, last week, same situation. Same same fixings, I guess, if you want to say, as the, the Detroit game last week where two teams around or just below 500, two-and-a-half-point spread. It didn't work out for me last week. Ten-point lead in the fourth quarter for the Bears was blown against the Lions. But this is could not be more different. The Niners are actually like a really solid team who was looked at as a wild-card contender and probably could have – they were looked at as – they were the favorite last week against the Bills. Um, Washington just came off that win against the Steelers. They're tied for the division lead. So same kind of measurables, but totally different perception. Um, look, you got Kyle Shanahan against Washington. That's just screams. I want to beat the crap out of them. And I think, I don't think they'll beat the crap out of them. Uh, but I do think they'll win this game. Probably low scoring, probably something in the neighborhood of 24-20, 24-17, something like that. But I do like the Niners minus two and a half. Yeah, I like San Fran, too, this week. My number four, uh, we talked about a little bit, the Thursday night game. I like New England plus five. For you, you don't like the fact that New England's staying out on the West Coast. But for me, I just think of Belichick and playing in the same stadium two weeks in a row, and he'll find some interesting quirk or something to use to his advantage. And you talk about revenge games. I talked about it with the Ravens-Titans game a couple years ago, uh, weeks ago. I love betting against teams that are looking for the revenge. The Rams obviously want revenge from that Super Bowl loss, but New England, the way they're playing right now, that defense, I just, you know, Jared Goff against a good defensive head coach, I just, I don't trust New England. I think they'll run the ball, keep it close. The Rams could win, but I think it'll be a three or four point game. I like uh, New England plus five. All right, I will go <laughs> this one. I mean, yes, the Eagles had to bench Carson Wentz, I think it was at that point, but you are feeding Jalen Hurts to the wolves here. The Saints defense has been ridiculous the last few weeks, and I don't see any way <laughs> that Jalen Hurts come. I, look, I'd love to see him come in and do well, but you're putting him in there in just the worst possible situation, and it's only six and a half. I like the Saints minus six and a half. And again, like the, the Saints on offense haven't been stellar. Taysom Hill has gotten the job done. He gives an interesting dynamic. This past week, though, he showed that he can sling the ball around the yard a bit. Um, and again, just Jalen Hurts making his first start as a rookie against this defense. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I, I really don't. Uh, I, I like the Saints. By the way, Saints-Chiefs next week. Uh, Very excited for that. That'll be a good game. 
My number three, just talked about it a while ago, so I won't go over it again. Uh, Baltimore minus one against Cleveland. I just, you know, I don't like betting on my team, but when I just have a good feeling about them, I, I pull the trigger and I like them uh, minus one this weekend. And again, I won't talk about this one much because I mentioned it before, and it's nice to have opposing games, so maybe we'd have different records this week. I got the Rams minus five against New England. Just, I, I, again, like you said, the revenge spot doesn't always work out. When it comes to a guy like Sean McVay, I'm going to side with it. I think that he has something totally great cooked up tonight. Again, this Patriots team, there's the aura around it. Oh, it's Belichick and the Patriots. Oh, it's Belichick and the Patriots. It's not. It's not. It's, it's just not the same team. I mean, they, they're scraping by and getting lucky. It's better to be lucky than good. Like that game against the Cardinals, that absolutely was not a penalty. Like when the guy hit Cam Newton, that changed the whole thing. They're only in that position to kick the game winner because on the other end, the Cardinals missed, I think it was a 43-yarder. So they're getting a lot of bounces go their way. The Rams, again, probably outside of the Saints, the most complete team in the NFC. Uh, Give me them minus five. One more thing I'll add about the Rams-Patriots game, which I always look at this time of the year, is how teams are doing against those other divisions. So the Rams this season, they got blown out by Miami. They barely lost to Buffalo, but they were getting killed in the first half. Now, they should have won the game, they but they were game. getting killed, and then they haven't played the Jets yet. You look at Buffalo last week, why I like them against San Francisco. They should have beaten Arizona. They beat Seattle, and they beat the Rams. Um, so that's another thing with the Rams is I just think right now, Flores, the way that Flores played Goff and the way he looked, and obviously Flores being a disciple against uh, from Belichick, that just worries me in this matchup. Against Before you get to your next pick, I did have—I forgot that I did have the stats here on the Saints defense that I wanted to throw out yeah. there as far as against. All right, so over the last five games, all right, this is what they are feeding Jalen Hurts to this week. The Saints defense, and again, it, it's a little bit skewed because they played against a quarterbackless Broncos team, but the numbers have been the same in the other games too. 57 total drives against their defense. 25 of the 57 have been three and out. They've scored. They've only allowed two touchdowns. They've forced 13 turnovers. They have 17 sacks. They only are allowing 4.2 yards per play and a QBR of 20 and a stretch of 42 drives, 14 quarters, without allowing a touchdown. That's from Field Yates. He put it out there on Twitter the other day. That's the Saints over their last five games. So sure, it's skewed a little bit because one of those five was that quarterbackless Broncos game. But over the last five, those are the numbers. That's insane. That is what Jalen Hurts is up against this weekend, his first career NFL start. And you're, giving, you're telling me that the Saints are six and a half. Give me the touchdowns. You know, I think when the Giants and Washington both won and the Eagles are looking at the way Carson Wentz is playing and they're looking at their upcoming schedule, they're like, we can get a top five Done. draft pick. Like, let's see what we got in Hurts over this next month. But, I mean, we're not winning the division. Let's get a top five pick, see what we got in Hurts, and let's ride. So I do like New Orleans as well. My number two, um, again, I just talked about it as my best upset, uh, Vegas plus three against Indy. I just like Vegas at home coming off that Jets game. I told you, Joe, the Jets could give them a game. Greg Williams, though, with an absolute wonderful tank job on the part of the Jets. Um, but, yeah, DJ, Vegas that was the first... good home team. Get Josh Jacobs back. Um, and that defense, sneaky, gets some good pressure with Max Crosby. And we know when Phillip Rivers has pressure in his face, uh, he does not do well. So I like Vegas plus three at home. DJ, I think I, I, I went back to check. I think that is only the second game this year for the Jets that I got wrong against the spread. <clears throat> that is only the second Jets game. Oh, sorry. Third, third Jets game this year that I got wrong against the spread. I am, I am nine and three against the spread in Jets games this year. Well, how? Uh, more oh, on I that. loved the Jets last week. More on that in a second. My number two pick is the Buccaneers minus six and a half home against the Vikings. Um, I don't like, I'm, I'm taking all favorites this week. I don't like doing that, but I'm going to do it. You'll see with my number one pick as well. Um, the, they're coming off of the bye. I think having the bye this late in the season for Tom Brady at his age is huge. I think it where they were coming off of a couple of losses, looking out of sorts on offense, I think it came at a great time for the Bucks. They've struggled against good defenses this year. They have annihilated the bad defense. It's kind of like last year when we were talking about with the Ravens and even into this year, you know, one of their calling cards has always been not faltering against the bad teams. 
they're splitting the games that are 50-50. They're blowing out the bad teams. The Bucs this year have blown out the bad teams, and the Vikings have a very bad defense. Um, and it's six and a half, Brady off of a bye. I, I think they get back on track. They win this game, something in the neighborhood of like 38-23. I think it's not even going to be close. My number one, Pittsburgh, plus two and a half against Buffalo. Love the Steelers this week. I know the Steelers about as well as I know the Ravens, and I know when they'll play well and when they won't. And I just know Mike Tomlin and that organization and Ben and that team. And this is a game that they'll, they get up for. They want to win. They know if they stumble again, Kansas City is going to get that number one seed and have a bye. And, you know, Pittsburgh's in some real trouble. This was the game that everybody thought would be Pittsburgh's first loss. Now that they've got that first loss, I think maybe it takes a little pressure off of them, especially now that they're underdogs. And uh, I think Pittsburgh plays really well this week. I like them plus two and a half. The three games I got wrong for the Jets against the spread were uh, the Broncos game, first day of October. The Jets were a one-point favorite. I actually picked them, which was stupid in hindsight. Uh, then October 25th, they were home against the Bills. I think it was a 12-point spread. The Jets lost by eight. That was the game where uh, Bass kicked all field goals for the Bills, so the Jets should have probably lost by, like, 20, but they somehow kept them out of the end zone, the Bills. And then this week with the Raiders. Um, Nine and three against the spread in Jets games. I know my team. I know that minus 13 for the Seahawks this week is not even going to be nearly enough. I mean, the Seahawks are coming off of a loss to the Giants. The Jets don't have a defense that can stop the Seahawks offense. And who knows what it's going to look like this week with Greg Williams gone. To Greg Williams' credit, the only reason that Gase has, I think it is seven wins, yeah, seven wins with the Jets in now two years is Greg Williams. There were so many games last year where if not for the defense and Greg Williams, they would have lost. There's so many games this year where the defense kept them in it. They gave up points because he's working with nothing, but the defense kept them in it. And now you're taking him out of the equation. Gase came out and said the coaching staff really let this one get to them. They couldn't get over it for a few days. They had that, you know, like every team does that 24 hour rule. He said they were letting this simmer into Tuesday and Wednesday. And when a bad coach who's already a horrible coach comes out and says that they let that loss get to them. All right. That that's just making a bad team and a bad coaching staff, even worse. Denzel Mims not playing against Seahawks lost at home to the giants. They got to right the ship. DK Metcalf might have nine catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Um, yeah. I mean, this is not going to be close. Jamal Adams is going to want his Seahawks brethren to beat mm. the crap out of the Jets this week. Um, this game is probably something like 38 to three. Like it's not going to even be a contest. So wow. give me the minus 13 for the Seahawks. All right. Very nice. So Joe going with all favorites. You got San Francisco minus two and a half, New Orleans minus six and a half, Rams minus five and a half, Bucks minus six and a half, and Seattle laying two touchdowns minus 13 and a half. Five or five and a half for the Rams? I got five. Would you have on your Patriots five, yeah, one? Five. five okay. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got Arizona minus two at the Giants, New England plus five tonight against the Rams, Baltimore minus one against Cleveland, Vegas plus three against Indy and Pittsburgh. Plus two and a half, Joe. We'll see what happens. Maybe one of us can get uh, over 500 for the season. We both went four and one last week. So we've got a couple of good weeks in a row, both of yeah, us. We have. Yeah, we've done really well. Trivia, we're all knotted up to at 10 and a half. I like my question for you this week. And then you go ahead and ask yours first. All right. I was having some trouble finding one. It was just one of those weeks. I'm like, do I give him college football? Do I give Me him too. NFL? Do I give him college basketball? I settled for my question for you. I, I okay. settled. But. I went college football, and okay. I like the question. It's Army-Navy this week. All right. You know, Ohio State got canceled. So I'm like, let's do something with rivalries. So, Joe Malfa, can you tell me what the three longest played Power 5 rivalries in college football are? Longest I'll help you out. Power one's five. in the Big Ten. Okay. One's in the Pac-12. Okay. One's in the SEC. So one Big Ten, one Pac-12, one SEC. Correct. Longest standing rivalries. Correct. Longest standing rivalries. Go ahead. It's a good one. Um, out West in the Pac-12, I want to say it's UCLA-USC. It is not. One it's not. Interesting. All right. I thought those would go back the furthest. Big 10. So the way you teed it up, you said it's not Ohio State-Michigan. 
It is not correct. It's not, correct. okay. Correct. I just wanna make sure I got that right. So it's not Ohio State, Michigan. Um, Minute left. Oh, wait, it got canceled this year too. I remember, I thought I saw that it, it also this year didn't get canceled. I mean, it got, it got canceled for the first time. Is it, is it uh, Iowa, Minnesota? Uh, it is not. No. Minnesota is correct, but it's not Iowa. Oh, I just, oh, 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 oh. 40 seconds left. It got canceled this year. I know it did. It did, it did. Not Blue Iowa, Minnesota. Minnesota, Indiana. No. No, uh, I struck out. That's it. I went too fast this week. Um, All right. I mean, do you have any? Do you have any guesses well, though? For, yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm blanking on who. Oh, was it? Because Minnesota this year, it's not Iowa. Oh, it's Michigan State, isn't it? Yeah. No, who was it? Oh, tell me the. It's gone. Oh, oh, well, that's battle for the axe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Who has had COVID issues that they didn't play against this year? Um, I didn't even get to try the SEC. Yeah, my, SEC. My guess, you have any cracks? My SEC. Guess would have been, um, it it would have been South Carolina and Tennessee. It's a good guess, but no, Georgia Auburn was the Georgia Auburn. Okay, I wouldn't have gotten that. And then out west, I thought I if it wasn't UCLA and USC, I probably would have gone Cal and UCLA. No, it is Oregon, Oregon State, Civil wow. War. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Good yeah. question. I like that. So Minnesota, okay. Wisconsin is 129 years wow. that they've played. They did not play this year though. So, yeah. and then Oregon, Oregon State, 125 straight, and George Auburn, 125. All right. Well, good question. I like that. that's a long time. That is <laughs> that is crazy. Um, oh man. I like I said, when it comes to questions like this, I don't ask it if I didn't get it right myself. I don't think that's fair. It crossed my mind when I was watching Alex Smith the other day. He's got comeback player of the year locked up. So without before I researched it, I tried to go through the last five years of comeback players of the year. I got four of them. Okay. So I want you to give me three of the last five comeback players of the year. Three of the last five comeback players of the year. Okay. Um, ooh. Like I said, I'm not giving it to you unless I got it. I got four of the five. Three of the last five. Five. Yes. I know Adrian Peterson won it, but was he one of the last five? I can't remember. Um, let's see. Let's see. Who's coming off? Like it? Adrian Peterson, by the way, actually, I'll give you this hint. Didn't actually win it. He his year was also when he won the MVP, and that's oh, also Peyton. when Peyton Manning was coming off of his neck surgery. So Peyton okay, I couldn't remember whether it was Peyton or AP, but it wasn't one of them. Man, comeback. Thirty seconds gone. Yeah. Um. Andrew Luck, one of them? He is one of them, correct. Okay. Uh, is J.J. Watt one of them? He is not. Strike one. Um, Got 45 seconds left. Yeah, let's see. I mean, Aaron Rodgers got knocked out, but I don't think it's him. Wentz got knocked out, but I don't think it's him. 30 seconds. Um. Uh, Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis is not it. Two strikes. Uh, ooh, is it? 15 seconds. Ten seconds? Yeah, I'll go. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. You got me. Buzzer. Um, the four that I got. Eric Berry in 15, I remember because he, he beat cancer, came back, yeah, and played for the Chiefs. Yep. So I got Eric Berry. Uh, I got 2016, which was Jordy Nelson. Remember the year before that, he tore his ACL in the preseason game, and then he came back in 2016 and lit it up, and that was his last like good year with wow. Rodgers. Yeah, would not have gotten that. 2017 was the one that I did not get. 2017 was Keenan Allen. I didn't really remember that he got hurt the year before. and yeah, mm. I got Andrew Luck in 18 off of his injuries, and then I got last year's was Ryan Tannehill. From the Ashes in Miami to leading them to the AFC title yeah. game, it was Ryan Tannehill. So I got the, the four I got were Barry Nelson, Luck, and Tannehill. I mean, yeah, Barry and Nelson were that. Those were good pulls. Tannehill, I should have gotten. Um, Jordy Nelson, wow, I did not, I did not know that he won. Eric Barry, though, that's that makes sense. That's good. Wow, I don't know. Still ten and a half. We've gone uh, gone a little low here lately. I know we we got a little bit of a hot streak, but 
I think we overcompensated for the hot streak by coming out with some like tough questions from each other. <laughs> and here we still are tied up at 10 and a half to 10 and a half. So maybe next week, but um, PJ, uh, <laughs> we hit a little bit of a lull where there was only football going on, which again, we're not going to complain when football is the only show in town, but it's about to ramp up again. We tease NBA at the beginning with some hard and talk. For our next episode, we got our NBA season preview because they'll be starting in a couple of days. Yeah. The NHL is in talks to start their season the 13th of January with divisional realignment, which is exciting. Um, all Canada division, and then that forced shuffling everywhere else. Um, and that's going to be coinciding right with the NFL playoffs, the college football bowl season. We might have to have a week where we just have a double episode, one with a guest and one just us, like going through the, the schedule. I, and, and well, stuff. Bowl we season, to... I think there's like one bowl game that's next week during all the championship I know. games. I know. So. We might have to actually do like a bowl. Like now that everything's kind of coming together, we might have to do a couple of just separate episodes like smaller bite-sized chunks to do an NBA preview episode, a bowl season episode. We might have to think about that next week, but uh, next week's guest is supposed to be Rob Carlin, formerly yep. NBC Sports Washington, now working with the Maryland Terrapins and doing a pre and post game show for them. So that'll be a lot of fun. Always great when he was in the office with us for, for Capitals last year. One of the best guys that we've got to work with. Pros yeah. Pro. I mean, Excited loves his turp. So it'll be, uh, it'll be good to talk to him. Do you think they cover this week against Rutgers? It's seven and a half, PJ. I don't like hooks. Um, oh, this is a big game in the Malpa family. You and your brother. It is. My brother's <laughs> there, yeah. Yeah, I think Maryland wins, but I don't think Maryland covers. Uh, and then actually in a couple of weeks, they play in basketball too. So mm-hmm. we got a couple of uh, – d- divided household over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, Rutgers looks good in hoops, man. They do. They really do. Mm-hmm. Peichel and Shiano, they've got – They've got some something going on the banks over there. They got a little something going at the State University in New Jersey. It's going well. Yeah. All right. Well, PJ, you know, leave that menorah tonight. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you too. Uh, yeah, big game for us in the uh, Pickums because you got the Rams and I got the Pats, so we'll know who's leading right off the bat. Did you say? Did you say you too? You I'm too. Not- I'm not Jewish, PJ. <laughs> you think well, I, was Jewish? I didn't know you said Happy Hanukkah. Oh, I oh, oh. Enjoy the game tonight. <laughs> My headphones are not. Next time, oh, I'm man. just gonna have to do the. Uh, the oh Zoom man! Okay. Without, without <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I, I was I was questioning myself a second. I was like, did I ever tell PJ that I was Jewish? Or something? I've I barely like... I've barely been able to hear you the entire episode. So I'm glad <laughs> right, that, that I've been it. able to go along this far. That explains it. All right. <laughs> well, on that note, on that note, on to next week. PJ, enjoy your weekend of plenty of football. Back for episode 29 next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe and, uh, yeah, enjoy the football, college basketball, whatever you want. It's all on now.